We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. Hopefully you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend today. We've got plenty of NBA news to get into. Plus, we're going to take a look back at the off seasons of the Houston Rockets, as well as the Philadelphia 76ers, two organizations that are linked via James Harden, the hurricane himself. And we'll talk a little bit about that situation as well. Plenty to dive into. But, you know, Keith, today I've spent a good portion of my morning looking at my computer screen and shaking my head because the task I gave myself was trying to predict which team in the West does not even make the play in. And I feel like it's a fool's errand. This, this Western conference is absolutely brutal and it's driving me crazy that I can't figure out a way to separate these teams. Yeah, that's a good point. I am really given a ton of thought uh, to that just yet. I think, there's a couple teams we can eliminate Houston and San Antonio. Sure. I'm going to go ahead and eliminate Portland because assuming mm-hmm. Dame won't be there. And then uh, that's probably it. Right. right? Like Utah like, could even, yeah. I know people just kind of automatically eliminate Utah, but they could be oh, in the mix. So yeah. like two, two more teams have to get yeah. eliminated. So the Mavs, the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Jazz, the the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the the Warriors, uh, the Wolves. I mean, on and on and on. Like, there's all these teams. I, I mean, the Kings. I didn't even mention. Like, I no matter what, no matter what team you pick or teams you pick, a, a fan base would come at you and say, "Hey, WTF? This, this <laughs> yeah. is a this is a good team," and they're right. I think yeah. that's going to make for a really exciting season. But this is maddening trying to make sense of this. No, absolutely. Yeah. And even Houston and San Antonio, who I think are still going to be bad, they're going to be good, bad teams, if you will. Like, I think they're going to be better than they were a year ago, especially mm-hmm. Houston with their veteran additions. And then San Antonio, I just think Victor Wembanyama is going to lift them to some extent. So, yeah, man, that, that's 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 interesting. Yeah, I haven't, it's funny. I was sitting, I was kind of checking off my preseason to-do list. And one of the things on there was like, I got to start looking at, preseason predictions of standings and records and all that stuff. So now you, you now I'm going to be in my head right? when I sit down and think about the Western Conference a little bit. Yep, this is the kind of thing where you're going to be staring off into the distance and your wife's going to ask what's wrong and you're going to say <laughs> nothing and she's going to think there's something wrong. No, this is what's going through our head right now. We're trying to figure out the damn Western Conference in the NBA. That's what happens. In this It'll season. be that, that meme where it says like, 
you know, like the wife's looking at the guy and it's right. like, I bet he's thinking about another woman. He's been and so distant lately and all this stuff. It's like, no, thinking about the Western Conference standings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. I think the, the original is like motorcycle won't start. Can't figure yeah. out why. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have this like puzzled kind of sad look on my face. <laughs> that, but Hey, seven weeks from today, the NBA is back. That's seven right. Weeks from today. So I'm excited. Even, even better. 31 days till preseason. I will take preseason Keith. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about counting down to the regular season. I'm counting down till preseason at <laughs> this point you. to yeah. get myself through. Yeah, let's get, get us some through. NBA games. Let's go. All right. Speaking of basketball, that's actually on right now, though. Team USA bounces back against Italy, gets the big blowout win. This was the entire fourth quarter was garbage time. Keith, you'd be proud of me. I actually got up early and watched the game. OK, I did miss part of the first quarter because I slept in a little more than I intended. But um, this was Team USA getting things back on track. And I didn't think they played particularly well, but they were still just decisively better than the Italian team. Yeah, this was typical Team USA going back 20, 30 years worth of these teams where the starting group, well, I'm not 30 years ago. They just, I mean, whatever yeah. they put out there. They're, teams, they're taking but, pictures with their opponents right. and stuff like that. But the last, let's say, 15 years or so, starting groups can generally hang. Now, mm -hmm. the, these other countries have enough talent. It's once you get into that bench, now their NBA-level guys are out. You know, they're going into guys who are playing, you know, basically a lot of them in their home uh, countries, leagues or whatever it is. And they're not really NBA level players. And then Team USA comes back with, you know, five guys that could be borderline NBA all stars and yeah. things like that. And the depth just wears them down. And that's what this was. And, you know, they, they the thing I liked, they played with great energy and they were really locked in defensively right from the beginning of the game. And I think that loss to Lithuania really woke them up, I think. You had um, a lot of times coaches will say one of the best things before the playoffs, which that's effectively what this was, is a loss because it mm -hmm. kind of wakes you up and reminds you, hey, we're not all we think we are. Like we have to actually show up and execute and all those things. So, yeah, I'm very, very curious to see where it goes now. Now, what is it? It's Ger the winner of Germany, Germany and Latvia. And, the, Latvia. and that game will take place on Friday at um yeah. that's going to be at 5 40 a.m pacific time 8 40 eastern time yeah. um that that game is going to be taking place but yeah the winner of germany and latvia i believe germany is the the favorite to be yeah. the team that that is there to play us and man given how close germany played the u.s in the tune-up games this could be an absolute battle on, on friday if germany's the team that's sitting there yeah without a doubt and you know that um germany is now i guess hoping to have franz wagner back like mm. that's one of the things they're not really saying anything uh either way but they're hoping to have him back in the lineup on the other side of the bracket serbia be uh lithuania so lithuania is out of the the metal portion of the mm -hmm. tournament these teams will still play games all the way through for classification and then uh the other side is canada and slovenia tomorrow morning uh that's a 8 30 tip off and that should be a fun one with you know luca against team canada and all that so yeah we got good still you know, a lot of good world cup mm -hmm. basketball to go over the next uh what, what is it roughly week ish or so uh, of the world cup and then then uh we kind of kind of you know then go into about a real two week break or so before training camps open yeah not much rest for these guys who have been playing in the world cup before they've got a report for training camp um yeah, so a good one tomorrow with Slovenia and, and Canada. And then Friday would be 
the uh, the semifinals and then the finals will be Sunday, whether the U.S. is in the third place game or in the final, that will be determined by the outcome of Friday's game. Yep. So that's what we got there coming up there. Um, in terms of NBA news, well, let's let's stick with this is World Cup related, but Luca, a lot of people would say Luca looks like he's in better shape and perhaps more ready for the NBA season. I would have to imagine Luca's the kind of guy where choosing to bow out of the playoffs, if that's the phrasing we want to use um, to avoid the T word there, but uh, but making the decision strategically to miss the playoffs last season probably didn't sit well with a guy like Luca. I'm expecting to see a very focused Mavs team to start the year, a Mavs team that's going to feel like they've got really something to prove here. And, uh, and they've got some new pieces in. And the fact that Luca is already looking like physically, he's, he's ready to roll. That's a good sign for Dallas fans. Yeah, without a doubt. And in this, um, this whole Luca ready for the season, been better shape, all this mm-hmm. stuff. This came from his uh, teammate on the Slovenian national team, Mike Toby, who is a he's played in the NBA. He's a guy who's been in NBA training camps. I believe he was on a two way with the Hornets back in the day. So he clearly knows what it takes to be an NBA level guy. And he's basically saying Luca came in and looked like he really took the rest portion and rested, but didn't just kind of rest which we've heard in the past luca rests and then seems like he's like me puts his feet up in the recliner and then Mm -hmm. eats chips and drinks soda and hangs out and all this stuff um i think we're in a spot where luca took the rest part of it but also really worked on his body and you've kind of seen that in the world cup he just looks different he looks really good he looks quick he looks strong he looks like he's just ready to go he's carrying a very heavy load for that slovenian team playing major, major minutes, and he looks like he's perfectly fine uh, doing it. So I think this is a big season coming for for Luke mm-hmm. and the Mavs. You re-sign Kyrie Irving, get a lot going on there in Dallas, and I'm guessing they're thinking, hey, it was a one-year reprieve, right, to, to miss the playoffs. We got to get back in the mix, and I don't even know that it's make the top six is even enough. I think they're looking to what they were a couple of years ago where it's, Hey, let's be in contention to, to win the mm-hmm. conference. I think they feel like with Luca and Kyrie and then the additions they made, the other guys they're bringing back that they should be in the mix. I think they're probably a tear down from, from those best teams in the West. But you know, if everything goes right and Luca does come in and has like an MVP level season, they could be right in the mix to win the conference. Well, and that's where I was going to go next is that, you know, the, the, MVP race. We've long mentioned Luca's name in connection with it. Last season, the Mavs didn't win enough. If the Mavs do take that leap this season, if they do play with that fire during the regular season, if they do play angry after the way last season uh, left off, he could wind up right in the thick of the MVP race. Maybe if he's in the kind of condition that we're hearing he's in and that he looks like he's in, um, this could be a year that he actually wins it. I mean, it's hard to predict who's going to win the MVP right now. Um, There's a lot of options. But Luca is a guy who, if the Mavs win enough games, will be be right there in the thick of it. Yeah, without a doubt. If he can get them into that top half of the West, and the top half of the West is, you know, like fourth is two sure. or three games behind first, so it's right right there. Yeah, that's gonna he's that means he probably had an MVP level season, and wouldn't be at all surprising if he's a top five uh, MVP candidate mm-hmm. when you one all is said and done. But you know he's just got to do it in the team, like like you said, they've got to win enough. That that's going to be the key differentiator. Now a lot of people are already looking ahead, saying, "Well, if the Mavs don't 
right the ship here. If they can't get the right pieces around Luca, there could be some problems. But he's under contract for four years. He has a player option on that fourth year. So I don't think the Mavs need to be panicking, need to be worried at this moment. I mean, obviously, you don't want to upset Luca, but um, they do need to show growth this season. I don't think this is like all in. You have to prove that you're a championship team. Otherwise, Luca is going to demand a trade. He's asked, he's still going to have two years under contract minimum after this season. But we're getting closer to that point where, you know, summer of 2025, Luca could be making those threats that, hey, I'm a free agent next summer. I've got a player option. If things don't go well this season and next season with the Mavs, if they can't make that next step, then things could get a little dicey for the Mavericks. So I know they, they're going to want to start making that progress right now, particularly spending what they did to get Kyrie onto the onto the roster and then to re-sign him. Yeah, it starts to be a lot like Giannis, right, sure. in Milwaukee, where you're going to be facing a lot of the same questions, except Giannis has already won one. This is going to be, Luca is going to be like, hey, is this ever going to happen here? And, and we went through this with Dallas, you know, long before you and I even knew each other. That was the questions with Dirk, right? Is yep. like, will they ever get him enough help? And, you know, can they ever win one with it being a Dirk-centric team? And then they eventually did and broke through and they won a title. So, you know, that, that's going to be the questions. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of this is going to be, if you have Kyrie and Luka, you're going to have a really good offense. You, mm-hmm. you're, at least you should. The, the question is going to be, can they defend enough? And can the role players around them play their role well enough? There you go. I like a lot of the guys they have on that roster around those two in role player roles. The other thing you got to wonder is Kyrie, good bet to miss you know, 20, 30, 40 games, somewhere in that range um, each season, whether it's an injury or something else, just, you know, knowing his history, do we, do, do they have enough around Luca to step up and move it forward? If they are missing Kyrie, who steps forward to play? I know they like Josh Green quite a bit. They've got a couple other guys there. Maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. has a back, you know, bounce back season, something like that. But those are going to be what's going to matter. Is their role players, mm-hmm. are they good enough to support the two stars? All right. Uh, let's move over to the Clippers, a team that has had title hopes for years now, but haven't been able to get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the floor enough to get there. They are potentially a landing spot for James Harden, which is a player we're going to talk about uh, in just a moment when we get to the Philadelphia 76ers. But Kawhi and PG expected for Clippers training camp, expected to be 100% healthy. And Keith, the what's been out there is that the Clippers have come to a, an epiphany this summer and realized that they cannot just dismiss the regular season and run out the clock and then try to ramp it up come playoff time. They tried doing that last year even. And Kawhi Leonard and Paul George got hurt anyway. So the thought is that the Clippers are going to move away from their load management strategy from last season and previous seasons. They're going to play their guys. They're going to take the regular season seriously. And if it doesn't work this time, then next summer we could be at an inflection point for this franchise. Yeah, and I think that's the right approach. I think they've tried the whole load management thing. They did it all last year. They got to the playoffs. Paul George was hurt legitimately hurt out with a sprained knee and then Kawhi tore his meniscus in the uh, two games into the playoffs in their second playoff game. So you kind of look at it like we did all of this, made our path harder and it still didn't matter. We didn't get there healthy the way we needed to. So I think if you're the Clippers, I'm not saying it's 
Kawhi and PG play every back to back and they're going 40 minutes a night or anything like that. They obviously they're not going to, but probably play them 60 games ish, you know, each 65, maybe 70. Mm -hmm. If the conditions are right, kind of maybe play them in games where they would have sat out before. And then if the game goes, you know, really well or really poorly, you pull them out then and kind of do some in game load management. So I think that's the direction you go uh, with this, but the news that they're both supposed to be a hundred percent and ready for training camp. That's a good start already. Right. For, for the uh, Clippers, because we didn't know that they were going to be there. We, we, you know, we're kind of wondering that coming in, are those guys going to be ready to go? And this came direct from Ty Lue. He was a guest on, on our buddies, Mark Stein and uh, uh, Chris Haynes on their podcast, this league on cut and mm-hmm. go give it a listen. After you finish front office show, you can go over there and, and give that one a listen and listen to the after, interview. With Ty of Lue. course, the key after, word there after, yep, after to finish this show first, then, yep, then pop over. <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, if Ty Lue is saying, Hey, they're going to be ready to go and, and then they do follow through. And to your point, at the end there, if it doesn't work this year, then it's decision time, right? Then it is, all right, are we going to really load back up with these guys on max mm-hmm. deals again? And, you know, what is that looking like? And, you know, well, where do we want to go, you know, with this team? I don't think they're going to lean into a rebuild or anything like that. But just, you know, do we move on from one mm-hmm. of them? Maybe, you know, look at a trade or something different um, that, that looks different for us because – they're just in this weird spot. And this is also why I'll tie it into, you know, this part of it. I think this is why they've been a little reluctant to pull the trigger on a James Harden trade and not trade three, four good players for James Harden. Cause I think they're in a spot where they're kind of looking around and saying, yeah, I don't know that's going to work for us. We kind of mm-hmm. need all of our depth because we know our guys are you know, reliable to play, you know, 70 games this coming season. So I, I think that's part of the reluctance from the Clippers side of just leaning in and making a big trade like that. So looking at their, their situation, this could be a, a crossroads for both parties here, the team and the players, both sure. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are, are extension eligible this summer, but they both have player options next summer. So the potential is here now. I don't know. Maybe you could speak to how likely you think an extension is for these guys, but we know the Clippers feel like they need to play more games if they're going to commit like max salaries to these guys. So this could be a prove it season for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Hey, prove that you can stay healthy and then we'll talk max money next summer. But this could go the other way too, where Paul George or Kawhi, they have the ability. I'm not saying they would or it's likely or anything, but they have the ability to walk away as well next summer. So there's a lot on both sides writing on the results of this coming season. Yeah. I think we're at a spot with these two guys where I think if the Clippers came and said, Hey, we'll do full either pick up your option and we'll do four year extensions with you, uh, you know, after this next year, or I get, I guess it'd be three year to bring them up to five, um, you know, or, you know, decline your extension. We'll do a four year extension mm-hmm. um, with you at max money. We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll do that. I think then you might have the Clippers say, or excuse me, have Kawhi and PG say, okay, you know, let's do that. But I think the Clippers are at the point where, yeah, I don't know that I want to lock in for three or four more years after this season, you know, with these guys under contract, you know, fully um, with new new money just because of everything they've gone through over the first few years with these two under contract. So I think that becomes part one. And I think if you're Kawhi and PG, you probably get into the LeBron phase of your career where you're kind of doing it. 
I call it year to year ish because it's yeah. kind of I'll give you a year and then give me an option on the next year. And then we'll just kind of keep playing it out and see where it goes. And I think we could see Kawhi or PG. LeBron didn't do it, which a lot of us kind of thought that might be where he could go is like full mm-hmm. mercenary mode. Whereas like every year he's kind of playing on a different team. Um, and part of that's because he's maintained his ridiculous level of being good. And the Lakers won the title and he's very happy there. But I think the other thing with Kawhi and PG, we could see them go into that. Like, yeah, play it out year by year and just kind of hop around and join wherever I'm needed most for, you know, this next year and kind of, kind of play it out. But I, I don't know. Nothing would really surprise me though. It wouldn't surprise me if the Clippers say, Hey, we're the Clippers and we have these two guys. We want to keep them and stay relevant, especially as they get ready to move into their new building and all that stuff. So it's going to be fun to watch this one play out, but I don't expect an extension. I expect this to be a whole, oh, we're talking about this all the way through the year and all the way into the summer. And Kawhi, 33 years old, Paul George, 32. I mean, Kate, this could, if there's no extension this summer, I think this is unlikely, but maybe names to watch at the trade deadline. If there's a sense that, hey, this really isn't working and, um, you know, if, if it's time to part ways again, I, I would say it's likely, but two guys who are both, you know, essentially in contract years, if the Clippers have any kind of fear that, you know, or, or make the decision that they, this isn't the direction they want to go anymore. That that could lead to action at the trade deadline. Again, not not likely, but just throwing out there that this is the type of situation that you do keep an eye on. Yeah, and I would think that might be rather than a rebuild, like a reset yes, kind of situation absolutely. for them, where it turns into, hey, we're gonna uh pick up um, you know, guys who are pretty good themselves too. And you know, they'll come in and help us still be a pretty good team because mm-hmm. clearly they don't want they want to be good and relevant as they move into their new building, which can't blame them, right? That, that's where sure. you want to be. The building been building towards this. I think they were hoping to be building towards it with a finals appearance or two under their mm-hmm. belts as they, they get ready to to open that up. But yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch this play out because because to your point, yeah, I mean we could have teams coming around as soon as this trade deadline saying Hey, so where are you at with these guys? You're, yeah, you're, you're ready to move. Like, let's let's have a conversation. So, but Clippers are again. You could tell me we get to the end of the regular season and they they won the West in the regular season, or you could tell me they were down in the seventh, eighth, fighting in the playing range just because they had injuries and everything kind of went sideways. I believe you either way right now, just with how compact and deep the Western Conference is. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be one of the big storylines, I think, to watch throughout the regular season. Um, Okay. Well, we need to get into our team review here. And, uh, man, let's get ready for some weather. By this evening, it is in southwestern Georgia. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Yep, we're starting with a hurricane. It's Hurricane Harden. He's listed as a returning player for the 76ers, but let's face it, we can break down everything that the 76ers did this summer, everything that they didn't do. So much of it, though, still up in the air, along with the status of James Harden. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my favorite part of the Hurricane Harden drop is in his quote when he says, Daryl Morey is a liar, and you hear the kid, it might be, maybe it's the kid who's recording, go, oh, 
Yeah. Like, like, right? it's like, that's my favorite part. Cause he gets, he's like, Oh man, I can't believe he said it. Um, and now I'm, I'm angry cause I'm noticing a, uh, a typo on Philip Petrusev and the, that's my fault. I made these graphics. So, so that's my, my problem there. Um, Keith, but anyway, you, you know, like most people would not, would <laughs> not notice that. Right. But I did, I know I jumped right out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on its face, right. You look at it kind of the same ish team, right? They, they, they bring you back a lot of the, the guys who are, who, who are their main guys, right? Their, their uh, main, main engines there, their five mm-hmm. starters. Um, and then on the bench, Patrick Beverly comes in as, I would say an upgrade over Shake Milton at, at this point. Okay. I like Shake Milton, but just Beverly comes in and brings them some stuff. Bo Bamba comes in as another big to come in and give him a chance behind Joel Embiid. Maybe they, they find something that nobody else has them. They, my feelings at this point are well known on Mo Bamba, mm-hmm. but and, think, and no yeah. Montrez Harrell. So yeah, yeah, because they, of, because of injury, they did right. bring him back, but due to yeah. injury, he's he'll be he'll be he won't be the with the team. Yeah, yeah, um, and then everybody else is back except for George Niang was a mm-hmm. key rotation a big loss. player for this team. Yeah, major loss for them. Uh, you know, he's kind of their backup for um slash five in a way because really really what happened was he would play the four and pj tucker would slide over and play the five mm-hmm. um some in the regular season and really small lineups uh jake milton as i mentioned who was you know, really a kind of a developed find uh for them you know over the last several years uh he's moved on and then jalen mcdaniels uh moved on and he, he moved on to toronto for what was you know, just the biannual exception amount. So, you know, Philly had every ability to match that and they just let him go. And I think part of that whole situation was two prong, right? Are we going to have James Harden or not? And Mm -hmm. we don't want to tie up money uh, into next year's cap. So we're going to let these guys bounce and go other directions, but it's really, does any of it matter? Cause it's really still all about James Harden. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's it, right? It's all about James Harden. It's all about what happens with him. Does he wind up getting traded? What pieces do you get back in return? And I think that regardless of what happens with James Harden, this is we're going to see more responsibility on Tyrese Maxey as James Harden continues to get older, which is okay. But I think what the 76ers don't want is all of the responsibility on Tyrese Maxey because James Harden is not with the team. You're just stuck in a situation or you got back really nothing. Like if you get back Norman Powell or something, okay, there's another player you can put in the backcourt with Maxey and, and all right, but what you really don't want to go into this season and this, you know, gets into the Joel Embiid situation is James Harden's on the team. He's on your books and he's not with the team, right? That's, that's where you could run into some, some real problems here in terms of a, a talent deficit. And suddenly Pushing, and I think Maxie's really good, but suddenly putting it all on him to make up for now this massive hole that you have in your roster. About, you know, you're spending 36 million in salary that, or whatever it is, and that you're uh, you're not getting any production out of. So you got to be careful here with the situation with the situation for the 76ers. Complicating the whole thing is, you know, James Harden. If you want to go nuclear and just completely no show, technically that doesn't do him any good because if the 76ers want to kind of stick it to him, they can make it so he can't play anywhere else uh in the world so and that's a kind of cba quirk that's in there so this whole situation it's a mess and keith i keep coming back to as as much as it seems like a trade is the is the best case scenario if the offer's not there it might be best for both sides just to take a deep breath and say let's 
were stuck for this season. You picked up your option because there wasn't other, there wasn't more money out there elsewhere. You decided you wanted the money instead of going and signing somewhere for a minimum or something like that to go where you want to go. We're stuck together for this season. Let's ride it out, give it our best, see if we can win a championship. And then uh, next summer we can part ways. Yeah, I agree. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's gone too far sideways. I think James Harden kind of knows, Hey, I'll show up and I'll just, I'll be there, but I'm not going to give you my best effort. Mm -hmm. I don't buy at all the folks who are saying, well, he has to show up and show like he can still play if he wants another contract. Teams know exactly what he would be doing. Yep. I'm a team that's thinking not for this year, but in 24, 25, I'm going to try to get James Harden. If he shows up and no shows through and kind of just is out there getting very light cardio in, it's not going to bother me. I don't, I mean, I don't care because I know what the situation is. He doesn't want to be there. So he's not going to play hard. I'm going to go back to what did he look like at last season and at the end of last season. And the reality is people have put themselves in camps on this, right? Some people mm-hmm. are of the mind of James Harden is the guy we saw win. No, I'm not going to say single-handedly, but really close win two playoff games over the Celtics in the second round. And then other people like, yeah, James Harden's more the guy who blew it and fell apart and was awful in game six and seven. Uh-huh. And the 76ers lost again in the second round and are out. So I, I think to your point on Maxi, I think you're right. I think that was part of the Patrick Beverly signing was whether Harden's here or not, Beverly's just a good guy to have. It doesn't put too much defensive responsibility on Maxi can still kind of play the weaker of the two guards on the other team and let Beverly handle that guy. Beverly can do a lot of the kind of leading um, type stuff out there. I think DeAnthony Melton gets a bigger role uh, this season. He played very well last year. And I think, you know, he's a guy that they're probably saying, yeah, we can put more, put the ball in his hands more, play him as more of an on-ball creator with Maxi, kind of play him with him. So, you know, and if you look at it, you know, Joel Embiid's going to be great. Right, he just is. Mm-hmm. Maxie's probably going to be good, probably even better than he was a year ago. Tobias Harris is going to give you 15 to 20 points per game and okay rebounding. And then the rest is just, you know, Melton's okay. Paul Reed's all right. I think he gets wildly overrated for what he is as a backup center type player. Um, he's talked a lot about how he's taking more jumpers than ever because he wants to play uh, minutes at the four next to Embiid. And then P.J. Tucker kind of is what he is, but I think P.J. Tucker is slowing uh, rapidly here. I think we're starting to see all He's that coming to a head with him. What's that? He's 38, yeah, so exactly. I mean, that's to be expected. Yeah, yeah. So And he played great until then, right? And now I think we're mm-hmm. seeing him start to slow down quite a bit. I'm going to make a prediction here. I think by the end of the year, Philip Petrosev is well ahead of Mobamba. Uh, in the pecking order, I'm um, in the center rotation. I, I think he's just a better player than Bamba is. I'm just I'm not a Mo Bamba fan. I just I don't see what he brings to teams other than what he could be, but he never actually is. So I, I just don't see it. So yeah, man, it's just it feels like a very kind of unfinished roster because of the Harden stuff. It will obviously come back and reevaluate if and when they make a Harden trade and about how all the guys coming in that fit, but. You know, I, I would not be afraid to be making a trade that even if it takes some money into next year, because I just don't know what the big plan is here, why they are so afraid of taking money on the next year's cap. And clearly they must have something planned or Daryl Moore wouldn't be, but I just don't see it, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, they've got to have an eye on something, but like, can you really sell Joel Embiid on? Don't worry, just run out the clock on this season. We're gonna we're gonna figure out something with Harden, but next summer we've got all this cap space and we are fully definitely getting somebody. Well, the Knicks thought they were definitely getting Kevin Durant and yeah. Kyrie Irving, and that didn't. And happen. LeBron. And, and LeBron. And right, I mean, other guys. we've yeah. seen tons of examples of this, right? I mean, not to pick on the Knicks. The Knicks thought they were getting Donovan Mitchell, and the next thing you know, he's a, he's a Cav, right? Um, it, it, we see stuff like this play out all the time. So that just because you think you have a good shot, even if there's a player that's telling you right now, and I don't have anybody off top of mind, but if there's a player who's a free agent next summer who's telling them right now, oh yeah, I'll sign with you. In a year, that can change. That can change very, very quickly. So I just, I question why they're so set on preserving that cap space. I've always been of the mindset that there can be real value to essentially doing your shopping early on the trade market and taking on salary that would effectively replace the player that you would be getting potentially in, in free agency. There's there's some pros to doing that, particularly when you've got a Joel Embiid coming off of an MVP season. Spend the money now and don't waste a year of, of Embiid. Now, again, I think the Sixers, if they have if they had an engaged James Harden, that's a very big if. I think they would have a puncher's chance in the Eastern Conference, but I think they could put themselves in a much better situation if they were willing to come off of this, I don't know if I want to say mandate, but to to preserve that cap space for next summer. Maybe it pays off for them. And this conversation seems dumb because we find out, oh, it worked out because they got players X, Y, and Z in free agency. And now they're a powerhouse. But it seems to me like if they were willing to spend a little bit right now, they could check a lot of boxes, both with appeasing Joel Embiid and by giving themselves a real shot this year. Yeah, and, and I just want to... I've done this before, but I want to do it again here because we're on the Sixers. There's no world where they are going to have double max cap space next mm -hmm. summer. It just, it's just not going to be a thing. Max cap, that would mean having roughly, and, and I'm rounding a little bit, but roughly $100 million in cap space to, to get there because the max salaries for the full maxes are going to be somewhere between 49 and like 52 million in that range. So they have already on the books, Joel Embiid at 51.4, and they're clearly going to keep Tyrese Maxey's cap hold on the books at 13 million. If you wiped everything else away, so Paul Reed's non-guaranteed mm -hmm. contract, PJ Tucker's player option, all of the cap holds and their first round pick cap hold, you're at, on the books, $65.2 million um, total is what's on your books. And then you add in some uh, roster, or I'm sorry, Open a little, roster bit, spot charges. little bit less, but you, you add in your roster charges, you would be at, well, let me just do some math here. Uh, you'd be at about $76.7 So that leaves you at about $65 million in projected cap space against $142 million cap. So, okay, that's... Still great, right? I mean, but that's a max deal and then some left over. Right now, if you're saying, well, it doesn't have to be guys who are on 10 year, 10 years of service maxes, that's fine. But it's still not double max cap space. Not even at the guys coming off rookie scale deals. That projects to be about 35 and a half. So you need to be at about 71 million. All right, let's say the cap goes up um, instead of the the very conservative. 4.4% projection. Let's say it does go up to, you know, the full 10%. Let's 
we'd be at about 149-ish million dollar cap. So go ahead and add seven million dollars more onto that. Mm-hmm. Be at about 72 million. But remember the max salaries all go up too. Yep. Because they would go up by a different percentage as well. So it's just I I just I'm not I, I think conserving flexibility is always a good idea whenever you're in position to do so. I just think it's a little disingenuous to be selling the idea, um, which some people, some very prominent people have taken and run with that they're going to have double max cap space. It's just not really a thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, agree. That's something that has to be out there and has to be, it, you have to factor it in to our discussion of what the 76ers are doing, what they're not doing. You've got to yep. consider that. What is the, what's the realistic likelihood that they make a, a moves big enough to push them to championship contention next summer. Again, I don't know what's out there that would cost them some cap space, but it seems like that's a very limiting factor, especially in a James Harden trade situation. If you're saying we need talent back now, that's going to make us the same or better plus not take on future salary. I, I think effectively you're saying that, that there's not going to be a trade then. So you have to budge somewhere. If I'm Joel Embiid, I'm saying, hey, let's budge on the future salary because otherwise I'm not going to be a happy camper here. Let me throw a super random thing. And, you know, I'm generally, I hate like fake trades on Uh Twitter and all that stuff. But this one somebody threw at me and just says, does this make sense? All right. James Harden for Pascal Siakam, basically straight-ish up. Philly would probably have to throw in something else small to get it done. But... What, what do you think of that? So if you are the Raptors, you've got Pascal Siakam, who is a free agent next summer. So that does yep. preserve cap space for Philly. Um, I'm doing that in a second if I'm Philly. Yeah, I think the, so too. The question is, do the do the Raptors do it? What do they gain aside from future flexibility? Siakam being the, the significantly younger player, I think the better player at this stage I think if I'm Toronto, particularly knowing Toronto's Masai Ujiri, I need something of some significance if I'm going to make that that swap. Otherwise, I'd rather, if I'm going to move Pascal Siakam, give me something for my future than if I'm going to rebuild. Because I don't know, like, do you suddenly add James Harden in place of Pascal Siakam and say, hey, cool, now we're a championship team? No, you yeah. don't. So I want future pieces that are going to help me down the line because I'm in the situation where my cap space is is going to, or Siakam's salary slot is expiring after this year anyway. So if the goal is to preserve that, well, that's where I'm already at and I've got the better player. So I need something of some significance to make that move from Toronto. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And that, that was my thing is it was when I went back, as I rarely do, but I did answer uh, this person because then they followed up with a very nice email um, and said, I just really wanted to get a sense of if I'm even close. Sure. And when I went back to them, I said, yeah, I would, I would need more from Masai. Yeah. And, you know, it just just because I think the difference between them as players is that big right now in the, in this moment. If guys were under contract longer and other things, yeah, that would be a bigger factor. But but they're not. So, yeah, but it's it's kind of interesting because mm-hmm. strictly basketball wise, which is rarely uh, why trades are made. Uh, you know, there's always at least one side is making it for cap reasons. Um, it kind of is a trade that makes some sense for both teams it's just you know just an interesting thing that could toss my way what's interesting is thinking about like if if it's not the clip if the if the 76ers say you know what we don't want the what the clippers have to offer we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where is it? Where does he go? I mean, what what team is willing to play Harden ball for a season at least and sees that as the viable path move? I mean, again, definitely a good player. But like, are you going to go? Is it going to be? I mean, you could say Utah could use a a ball handling guard, right? Sure. But do they want to essentially rent James Harden for a year or are they going to get in the business of James Harden long-term? Does that, that doesn't really fit the timeline of the rest of their team, right? Just looking at the teams that could use James Harden. I don't, there's not a clean fit anywhere that I can really see. Yeah. Nobody jumps out there, especially that's going to give Philly everything they want. Nothing, nothing jumps out at you that way. But I, I do think it is, I think we've gone maybe a little too far towards like nobody wants James Harden. Correct. I think it's yes. more just, you know, yeah. With everything that comes with it. I don't know that teams are, are willing to pay, pay a you know premium for it. I saw a couple of people, you know, just as this was just random speculation. They're like, why doesn't Milwaukee get involved? And I think challenge mm-hmm. for Milwaukee is getting their contract. Yes. Yeah. Cause now you're talking about, you're eliminating multiple guys who are key rotation guys. And you would be you know really shrinking your depth uh, quite a bit, but you know, yeah, he's a guy who could make some sense. They have the defensive inter- infrastructure to cover for him. He would paper over a lot of the holes that they have offensively that have caused him troubles. But my guess is, like we've said all along, I think he probably ends up in with the Clippers eventually. And more he gives a little, the Clippers give a little, and a trade gets done. But but let's see. I mean, we're we're a month away from this getting super awkward and seeing what it looks like. And that that's that's when it'll start to pick up. Mm-hmm. is you know roughly i'll call it three-ish weeks or so Let's from go. now when it's you know we're getting on the eve of training camp Keith, uh, we've got and we've got the nfl season starting up in two days and we get to say we get to count the days or the the time until nba training camps in weeks rather than months <laughs> yes let's get go there. Let's go. All right. Speaking, speaking of let's go, let's, let's move on. Let's go over to the, let's jump over to the Houston Rockets. Let's get this team knocked out. This was a team. um, 
that could have been a landing spot for James Harden. That was rumored. Maybe that was coming from Harden's camp to create like another option out there. But I, it seemed there was enough smoke here to, that there was some interest. You would think there was something. There was something there. Um, did they make the right call by avoiding the hurricane? I think so. I, yeah. I, I, I think what they did is probably better than just giving most of that money to Harden. Mm-hmm. Now you can argue that you still probably could have done maybe everything else you did or maybe yeah. all, but Dylan Brooks, which I can't fight too hard. If people think they should have skipped the, the Dylan Brooks thing with what that cost, seven million. <laughs> it was just very, very clear that, that uh, Ime Udoka wanted a better team that was better defensively and smarter it was mm-hmm. not going to have some of the same mistakes that that this team has had. So I noticed now on this graphic, so apologize for everybody who's watching, I'll make sure I slide the uh, cap tax roster pictures uh, box over because I know our pictures cover it a little bit well, there. I, I mean, I can do that. It's oh, just a little more go. difficult. Yeah, yeah, you can still read it. Yeah, that's okay. right. yeah I think that's still readable. Um, I can read it and I can barely see. So yeah. there you uh, go. I'll say it's okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, but yeah, so we're in a spot with um Houston where you you got two pretty good defenders still in Brooks and Van Vliet who are coming in they're going to pick up and do some stuff defensively for you they're going to help settle all the rest of these kids down and you just kind of go go from there with that so so I think this is a good step forward for the Rockets I don't think this makes them a playoff team we talked about this earlier mm-hmm. in the show the West is just so deep but I think they're they're on their way to being a much better team Oh, certainly. I mean, you add even just a veteran, you know, adult in the locker room, Jeff Green, but then you've got Fred Van Vliet, you've got uh, Jock Landale, who I think is is better than he gets credit for. Like they've added some some good players here, and then Amon Thompson, who's uh, of course one of the most exciting you know young talents in the in the draft. Cam Whitmore, who's a guy who fell. A lot of people were upset that their teams didn't draft him when he was falling, but he's got a lot of potential. Was a summer league MVP, so they've got uh, they've got some pieces here that are really interesting. You know. I was a little surprised with how much they spent on some of these players, but we also have to remember that the new salary floor rules are in effect where you have to be at the salary floor for the start of the season. And so I think that may have been a factor here in their decision to, to spend the way that they did. Yeah. And I think, you know, they structured some of these deals in smart ways, right? Dylan Brooks contract declines year over year. It's still probably three to four million higher than I would like to seen it in first year salary at 22.6. I would have rather seen it, you know, somewhere maybe around started around 20 million ish Mm -hmm. and then go down from there. But, but whatever Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. He basically got a, you know, really close to the mat. Well, he got his max uh, that they could give him, but they only gave him, it's a two minus one. So it's a two years and then a team option on the third year. So rockets are very well protected. Jeff green, one year guaranteed at 9.6 million. Jock Landell, one year guaranteed. It was an eight year, 32 million, but only the first year is guaranteed at eight, eight million. So I really think they, they, they did well with what they did here. And then it's hard to be anything, but kind of over the moon with what they did in the draft, getting, you know, you know, Amon Thompson and Cam Whitmore. That's great. You, you are, mm-hmm. you got two top 10 guys 
um, you know, with, with their picks and Thompson with, with their, their, their own pick. And then Whitmore with the pick they, they got, uh, you know, from, from a prior trade and getting him way down in the draft. Like that's huge. You know, you, you're bringing in these two guys that don't bring in those guys that allowed them to feel good about kind of saying, all right, see you later. Usman Garuba and Ty Ty Washington, former first round picks. We've talked about it a lot with the thunder, but the Rockets are a good example too. They had drafted seven players in the previous three drafts in the first round, something was going to have to give. And it gave in the form of Garuba, Washington, and even Josh Christopher, who was also a first-round pick. Garuba and Washington have both already been cut. I think there's a good chance Christopher gets cut too, so I don't know how much the Rockets really lost there, uh, except maybe opportunity costs mm-hmm. if they could have bundled those picks. But, you know, they're, they're looking pretty good. They have guys kind of in place now at all their positions that I feel like can be – pretty good contributors for at least the next couple of seasons. And I feel like that's really, really important for this team beyond just the adding some vets to keep things under control and make things a little bit uh, less sloppy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that this is a team on the rise, but they're not there yet. Yeah. They're not there that there yet. You know, one of the things though, that like, I'm a big fan of Alper and Sengun uh, of his game. Are you concerned about all about Landale? And the minute situation? I'm not. I would have been if it, if they had followed through or he had followed through. There's all these conflicting reports about what happened with Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Because there's been some reports that Lopez backed out on the Rockets. There's other reports that the Rockets were the ones, ones that moved on. But if they'd followed through with Brooke Lopez, I would have felt like then move Shingoon because what what are you doing? Right. You know, you don't need him. I think Landell's kind of perfect for them. I think, think Shingoon's a guy what, 25, 28, maybe 30 minutes a game, Landale gets the rest, Jeff Green in the small ball lineups, maybe Jabari Smith, who looked pretty good when he played small ball five at times last year. Maybe that's where you go. And being off, we move, move, right? We're, we're, we're moving in a different direction. I'm not too worried about it. I think he's still going to get his 25 to 30 minutes a game, still starts, still does his thing. He's got to eliminate the stupid fouls. Mm-hmm. Like that's the biggest thing kind of holding him back is, you know, some of that comes because he's not the fastest guy. He's a little slow afoot, but a lot of it's just frustration stuff. And a lot of that's just being a young player. But yeah, I think he's pretty good. I'm a big fan of Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green's actually going to be pretty good. I think Fred Van Vliet is going to help him more than any other player on the roster, except for maybe Jabari Smith. When they finally started running stuff and getting him touches at the end of last year, he looked really good. He had mm-hmm. some big games. And he's boy, been- did he look good in summer league. Yeah, and he spent the first, I don't know, not even half, like more like two-thirds of his rookie season just kind of out there running around. And nobody, I mean, that was the problem. Green and Porter were shoot, 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 shoot. All right, I have to pass kind of point guards. Like Van Vliet's going to be the guy who's going to be like, hey, wait a minute, the bigs haven't touched it in three possessions. Let's make sure we run something to get him a touch. Let's get them the ball. So so I think Jabari Smith's going to take off big time this year. I think think by the end of it, we're going to be looking at and saying, man, with him and Green, they've got some building blocks here that they can move on with. And even if everybody else is just a nice role player, that's fine. You know, then then you're still you've kind of got your two main cogs in place and you're kind of running forward with role players around them. That's a good place to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree hundred percent. I do wonder a little bit how Thompson cracks this rotation. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably what he's the fourth guard to begin with. Sure. Kind of, but you know, with Porter, you know, but the I draft think, capital. Yeah. 
it says it's, he's going to they're going to find minutes for him. sure yeah and, and i think his size too that that helps he can play a little bit at the three mm-hmm. as well which they, they're only kind of real threes on the roster dylan brooks and jay sean tate who i think will play a lot because their defense um i don't know how much kim whitmore sees the floor this rookie year but i don't know how bad of a thing that is too i think there's a chance we see him kind of um you know, use this as his development season, probably logs a lot of time um, in the G League uh, there just because Smith, Green, uh, meaning Jeff Green, Tari Eason, those guys are all going to be in front of him uh, to start off the year. So it's going to take him a little bit to get on the floor. But these are good things. You know, nobody's going to get handed minutes just to be handed them, which was the case over the last few years in Houston. Guys were just given minutes because it was, well, you're a high pick. We stink. We have nobody else. Go ahead and play. And Oh, you committed 10 turnovers. Oh, well, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now it's going to be, hey, wait a minute, you're out of control. Go sit because now we have other guys. And that's really important for the Rockets moving forward. That's important for the Rockets and for Emo Doka's uh, authority, right? To be, to be able to say, hey, sorry, you're not doing this right. We're turning to somebody else for a little bit. It's important for the growth of the team. It's important for the coach. It's important for, for everything that, that they're going to be doing, that they've got these other options that they can turn to, you know, they're, they're a team that there, if nothing else, there were, there were times where you tune into the Rockets last year and you just go, man, what are they doing? Like, just, they, <laughs> yeah. they don't, like they just, they don't, there's no cohesion. It's just, it, it was just a mess and that's coming and that, and they beat both of our teams, Keith. So go figure. But um, I'm hoping that this year we see more structure and that's with I that agree. depth. I think Ime Odoka will have an easier time bringing that structure because it's, hey, buy-in, or that guy over there is going to be taking your minutes. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, there's, yeah, somebody they have guys now, right, that they can step up and and really play, and that's really important, you know, for um, young teams. Is you know, there's it's fine when you're in the early stages of rebuilding to just kind of be handing guys minutes. Mm-hmm. But once you kind of get to a point where it's like, all right, we shouldn't really just be handing minutes anymore. You, you hit to a point where it's like, all right, we, we got to do kind of um, now, now you got to earn them, right? You're not just going to play just because anymore. So I, I think, I, I think we're headed in the right direction in Houston. All right. Well, Keith, I think that does it for the the Rockets and the 76ers, as well as the news we got through today. Team USA now on to play Friday against the winner of Germany and Latvia, which is taking place tomorrow. Some exciting stuff. And then before we know it, it's going to be training camp time. Let's go. Let's hit that randomizer. Tell us who our next two teams will be. The Charlotte Hornets and the world champion Denver Nuggets. Ooh. They're going to be our next two. So we'll... uh, Come with them. Uh, two teams uh, probably couldn't be more at the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, uh, for where they are in the, their franchise arcs. But yeah, man, I'm excited. We're we're getting we're getting down to it now. We're we're gonna fly through these, and we're gonna have news coming soon. And uh, pretty soon, we're in a uh, 15 pounds of muscle season. And That's right. Everything else, I can't wait. That's right. That's right. Let's go. It's an exciting time of the year, and uh, I can't wait. Can't wait. Everybody, thank you for joining us. Make sure that you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office Show on YouTube. The NBA season right around the corner. We're going to keep you up to date on everything that you need to know. And, of course, make sure that you also follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe.